The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, Bunch of Dudes. A lot of dudes. Yeah! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude, Season 2, Week 8. Coach Adazio pulled the Rick Pitino and Olive Garden impression on Saturday as the Eagles scored within seconds against Louisville, en route to a 38-20 victory in a soggy chestnut hill. BC improves to 5-2 on the year and 2-1 in conference play as they cruise into their bye week before the second half gauntlet begins. On today's special edition bye week episode, We'll give you a first-hand recap of the game, talk Duder Pood, and try to convince you why BC will still win the ACC. Matt, just a great team win on Saturday. You know what they say, look good, play good, and they certainly, for the most part, did that uh, on Saturday. Louisville stinks. I think there's no real question about it, especially seeing them in person, but don't let it take away from the fact that the birds are officially back and the road to Charlotte is still fully on. Ooh, I was I was afraid of that. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit there, Matt. <laughs> Louisville stinks. That's that needs to come first. Okay, okay that's a, that's just a horrible, horrible team. But you're right. Credit the Eagles for uh, you know for coming out, taking care of business. A couple of bad bounces. Uh, you know, went against them early on with the turnovers. Um, but Louisville is just that bad. And credit BC for not being that bad. We said last week, you know, we hadn't really seen evidence of BC being a good football team. And I think last week we can somewhat hang our hat on and say, all right, we're not that bad. Yeah, I'll say overall, I think this was the most complete game that we've put together so far. Again, from start to finish, all phases. Defense obviously looked incredible. The offense looked good. Special teams was amazing again for the second week in a row. Uh, obviously, some mistakes like you mentioned, those two basically back-to-back fumbles. The one of which you know, might have been a bad call, the Glines one. It sound, I mean, we were in person, so we couldn't really see, but sounds like he was down. But whatever, two fumbles. Uh, but beyond that, I thought it was a pretty flawless performance. Tony Touchdowns is officially back. He was named the ACC Quarterback of the Week, so you absolutely love to see that. We'll get to that. Okay. I, I mean, the, the, the run game stayed strong, you know, even without another week of A.J. Dillon. As we first reported on, on the previous episode, uh, Glines and Bailey both over 100 yards. Overall, I mean, just I think a, a ton of positives to take away. And honestly, you know, not too much to be negative about other than the fact that, again, it's Louisville. Yeah, I guess, you know, starting off in, in the first few minutes there, even um, before you and I had even gotten to the stadium, you know, sorry for. So, by the way, breaking news, I, I, I told you guys I wasn't going to make it make it home for the trip. And uh, I, I got convinced. So I, I was there. Matt was there. Um, and we were in the, the tailgate lot for uh, the first few uh, first few minutes there, so we missed a couple of the, the first touchdowns. But uh, you credit BC for for coming out blazing. You know, one of the biggest issues has been you know it's been more on the road, um, but that might as well have been a road game, and there was no one in the stadium. Um, so you know, credit BC for for coming out. Um, 
you know, the players were, were flying around the field defensively. They had a great first drive and then really great play calling, great execution on offense on the first couple drives. And to get off to that 14 nothing start uh, within minutes, it, it, it's it obviously they needed it with those turnovers, but it's obviously great to get that start. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the other thing, and, and we touched on it a little bit, but that really jumped out to me is the special teams. It's a completely different unit than what we saw. So really, I guess over the last, what's it been, two weeks, it's been phenomenal. Uh, but really, it's just a completely different unit than what it's been the five weeks previous to that. Two, two blocked punts in a row, like consecutive weeks, both recovered by Levy for a touchdown. I would love to get the fourth and due stats team uh, on that. That just seems like a really r- rare feat, two blocked punts for touchdowns by the same player two weeks in a row. Uh, Lichtenberg back at full strength. Obviously, I was disappointed because everyone knows I'm a huge fan of the long man, but Overall, take a strong Lichtenberg. It just, you know, having a reliable kicker completely changes the offense. Um, but honestly, that's probably my biggest takeaway is the fact that, you know, these guys listened. Maybe they listened to us or, or just other fans, but complaining about special teams. Ricky that's probably Brown, it. That's yeah, probably Ricky Brown's probably a listener. Uh, he said, you know, the fourth and dude guys aren't happy about it. So uh, sat his group down and, again, completely different team. And that's absolutely huge and crucial for us the rest of the way here. I, I sort of liken the Travis Levy back-to-back punt return touchdowns to the and we discussed it last week the Fernando Tatis situation not the Joe Buck part the um the part where he hit two grand slams in the same inning it's sort of like that which I don't think has happened uh you know maybe happened once in major league history so uh again don't know what the stats are on that but if we can keep that going I think Bill Miller had two in the same inning one time didn't he you know, Matt, I, I don't not to read on your Travis comparison here and Bill Miller was one of my favorite players so I think I would remember that I'll get the fourth um, might, stats team on that. You might be thinking Mark Bellhorn. He was a, he was nope. a baller. Definitely or, or, not. or Doug Mirabelli. Um, so anyway, so moving on here. I, I guess for me, my biggest takeaway this game, in addition to the special teams, that's important. I don't know that, that that's really sustainable, and we'll talk about this later, but Louisville just had no idea what they were doing sort of all game on, on the special teams, on really any any unit, you know, but particularly the special teams and the defense. It was very – you and I you – know, I, I actually – uh, predicted it, you know, not, not to brag, but I said, well, if we just look at the formation here, we're 100% going to block this punt. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're rushing nine guys and they have three guys back in protection. Um, something's going to happen and anyone could have blocked it. So I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think when we go up against, you know, certainly Virginia Tech, right? Beamer ball. Beamer ball. Or yeah, any good, ball is, is working out here. I like right. Or, or any good team that that's going to, you know, we can really hang our hat on that. Uh, but anyway, so for me, the big takeaway is our defense can really be elite. You know, we knew that Louisville had no D, so that's why I'm hesitant to really say anything. You know, that I'm that impressed with their offense, but our our def- our defense played such a complete game. I was so impressed. Um, we, we gave away 14 of the 21 of the 20 points right um, on those two turnovers, and then obviously held them scoreless in the second half. It's pretty impressive. Louisville, you know, as as I just said, you know. While they do not have any type of defense, and their coaching stinks, they get some athletes. They get some serious, you know athletes on, on the opposite side of the ball they recruit well um and they can put up some points so the fact that our defense led by zach allen i thought the linebackers were excellent uh, for the, really the first time i've seen all game um in addition to allen wyatt ray across the board those guys were just flying around the ball getting to the football and uh and tackling really for the first time we've seen all year against the power five opponent yeah i completely agree and i'll get to it in a second but just a little house cleaning here first so you're correct fernando tatis was the only person to hit two grand slams in one inning bill miller did it in the same game, there were 13 players to do it in the same game. Bill Miller was one of them. He's notable because he did it from both sides of the plate. Switch hitter. Uh, and also our guy Nomar had two grand slams in one game in 99, which I don't On his birthday. at all. On his birthday. Really? Hey, same uh, birthday as my dad. How about that? Yeah. Okay, so anyways, back to the defense here. Um, 
So, I mean, again, Ham Cheevers is back. The guy is an absolute monster. So he's now leading the country with four interceptions, uh, which, by the way, I feel like that seems low at this point in the year for uh, completely leading the country, four interceptions over seven games. Like, obviously, it's still a great number, but I was surprised when it said four was enough to lead the country. Yeah, it's like it's like 30 guys tied at four, right? You, you, you can't yeah, have to right. have a multi-interception interse- game. Yeah, you would just think someone played Holy Cross seven times pretty much, you know what I mean? And, and just basically racked up two a game. But Right, yeah. Overall, not complaining because it's still awesome. Uh, Hamp Cheevers Accords, it catches on more and more every week. I really do think by the time that we're in the ACC championship game, you know, there'll be some like game day signs uh, with that on it. But yeah, I mean, you said it, uh, the Sack Brothers, Sack Allen and Sack King Cole, absolute monsters. Zach Allen had a reminiscent of the Harold Landry blowing up the Notre Dame at Fenway uh, option play, if you recall that, where he just tackled Harold. four guys, just four yeah, guys was, he just grabbed. It was Harold and one other guy, and I forget I forget who the other guy uh, who was in there with him, but they basically just got guys right away. Zach Allen did that himself on one play, which was sick. Uh, and then Wyatt Ray put in another three sacks, like you mentioned. Uh, and I believe he's now leading the country in sacks as well. Yeah, or I think maybe, he's tied with some guys too, but yeah. He's got eight, eight and a half or something like that. Yeah, which, right. right. Th- I, what, four against Wake and then three against these guys? So uh, they yeah, come in bunches and, for Wyatt. Right. And apologies if you uh, mentioned all this earlier. I was busy researching the uh, double grand slam. So No, you're good. That's that's important, yeah. Matt. Great. Let's keep uh, it rolling. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, I think this defense, when they show up, and, and again, it's Louisville, right? And that offensive line was brutal, um, and they couldn't make pretty easy adjustments. They did, you know, credit, I, I, I guess, our defensive uh, coordinator, Reed, for mixing up the coverage and doing some stunts. But Wyatt Ray on the third play of the game had the most basic stunt, kind of a delayed stunt of all time, where he shifted over um, and and plugged the middle hole there, and it was like the easiest sack I've ever seen for like twenty yards um, against the you know quarterback just kept trying to backtrack, and it was just it was really easy for them, and I don't think that uh, it's going to be that easy the rest of the way. I do think Louisville just has some serious deficiencies across the board, but if there is one unit that just absolutely stepped up. Um, it's the, it's the defense, uh, far more than the offense. Uh, so that's great. Obviously, you know, in, in the linebackers in particular, we'll get to a couple in the due to the week. Um, Strahan had an awesome game. McDuffie played great. We get some athletes back there that have, have finally woken up. We stopped the run for the first time all game. So thrilled overall with the defense. Yeah, uh, completely agree. And first off, credit to you there mentioning stunts. I feel like that's big. We're kind of getting to the X's and O's. That's a, that's a yeah, avenue I, fourth and dude hasn't gotten into yet. So Matt, great job I think there. that just means when, you, you pretend you're going somewhere and then you go somewhere else. I think that's what it means. Yeah, it works. Uh, it was yeah four three. I think they were running all day. So yeah, X's nose talk. We definitely have that on lockdown here. No, I think he nailed it though. The, the defense was absolutely phenomenal, and it's really kind of been the question mark that we've seen. I'd say throughout the year. Uh, but it's funny when you look at this, right? Special teams was awesome, like we said. Defense was awesome, like we said. The offense was. I mean, I guess if we had to say the most underwhelming, but they still put up 38 points and really didn't look like any problem. Again, two guys running over 100 yards. Tony touchdowns looked good. So it does go to show that this was, you know, really a complete game. And, you know, we saw it earlier in the year. We talked about it with, uh, what were the games? Wake and Temple as well, where we had those fluke fumbles that, you know, made the game closer than it would look. Obviously, 30 to 20 is still a significant advantage. But if you remove the uh, can't those two flukes. fumbles. You can't call them flukes anymore, Matt. They're every week. All right. But at a certain point, I, I don't disagree with you. But again, the Glines one was a bad call. He was down. And then, by the way, on the fourth and goal, the Louisville guy did not get in, but uh, that's just another kind of Southern refs, uh, given the Southern cooking there. So you look at that, and if you look at the, you know, Mikey Walker, the best return man in the country, can just hold on to the football. We beat this team 38-6, to six, and it's, you know, 
I don't know if it changes the discussion too much because it's a complete game and a big win's a big win. But I mean, think about how much better we we would be feeling overall. I I'm gonna rain on the parade here. I, I'm I'm I was not impressed with our offense uh, whatsoever. I I don't know why Tony touchdowns, and I'm gonna stop calling him that. Sorry, Matt. Why is he the ACC Player of the Week? He 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 had 179 <laughs> Matt, because yards. Because there, because there were about three ACC games in action last weekend. But got it. Uh, we're gonna take it was yeah it was pretty much him or Puma pass. Uh, and I'm <laughs> okay, take so that our makes sense. There, so. But it's I mean, remember it's it's the fourth straight game where he hasn't broken 200 yards. Um, I know he was your Heisman lock, uh, you know, a few short weeks Correct. ago. But um, I just I'm not really seeing it with him. I, his throws are still inaccurate. Um, he's not making it to the sticks on third down. And by the way, I think that's way more of a, an Anthony Brown issue than play calling at this point. It's pretty clear that he's latching on to, you know, kind of the, the more manageable routes. He'll, he'll zone in on the check down, whether it's third and seven and it's three yard, you know, it's a three yard out. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he's doing that. Maybe it's the, the Purdue pressure that's sort of scared him into, uh, you know, wanting to get rid of the ball sooner than he needs to, but he had plenty of time to throw a lot of the times. And, um, and I don't know. On the run side, yeah, Bailey looked good. Glimes was fine. I'm not ready to get them into the Heisman talk just yet, like some I mean, people I, are. I don't no, know. No, I'm think... not saying you, but I'm just saying this was a team that gave up 66 points to Georgia Tech, all right? We only put up 38. Um, so if, you, if we just temper our expectation or temper, you know, what actually happened compared to just how bad Louisville's defense. So this is a Brian Van Gorder uh, coordinated football team, Matt. He's like got to be the worst defensive coordinator in history. He's brutal. And they, they made absolutely zero adjustments they, they made it so easy for for you know we could do whatever we wanted to we had so much time our line looked great um but we just we have no uh we, we really don't have an identity still in, in in as far as the offense goes in my mind yeah i mean obviously i think we're we're a little bit uh a little bit far apart on that one but overall it, this is surprising by the way i'm never the positive one here so uh, a little bit of a new. I love our defense. I, I love our you defense. Do. I just think our, our offense without Dylan is not going to go anywhere in the ACC. Right, but again, but 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 we we did the job, and again, it just goes to show we did the job for. Yeah, obviously we didn't beat NC State, but you know it looked it looked fine this game, and I think it looked okay for at least what, it, what we say the last quarter uh, of NC State without Dylan. At the end of the day, we have somewhat survived the Dylan absence. Again, our sources all along have said that he's going to be back from Miami. He posted an Instagram. Dylan did, uh, I think, earlier today of him sprinting on alumni. So, I mean, he's going to be back. He's going to be healthy. Look, these guys did enough, and, and, and I think it is a credit to our line, they did enough to keep the numbers up while he was out. Uh, to have two guys over 100 yards is an accomplishment. Bailey is a tank, by the way, 6'1", 245, an absolute bowling ball. Uh, so I'm not super down on them. Yeah, obviously, you know, Anthony Brown, when you watch him in person, it does get frustrating because he does still lock on. Everyone knows that at this point, but – they're doing enough to win, and they're doing enough to look, I think, good doing it. So if our defense and special teams can play the way they do, you know, we, we don't need the offense to put up 66 points like we did necessarily earlier in the year. Right. I, I just And we're splitting hairs here, obviously, because, it, again, I think it was a positive result. And I think – I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do think I, I'm more confident about this team than you are the rest of the way, but we'll get into that in a bit. No, I mean, I, I think if Dylan comes back, we have a fighting chance, right? Um, but this is not Louisville. This is not the Louisville of the past few years. This is obviously not. No, it's certainly. like a Mac team, right? So if you if you think of it like that, um, this was a four point game uh, midway through the fourth quarter. So it very very easily could have you know turned. Uh, you know, fortunately it didn't. But this game was very much in question. So from that standpoint, it's disappointing that our offense couldn't put them away. 
obviously, you know, we touched on how great the defense played. So in my mind, I'm still concerned about the offense. Um, but overall, you're right. We got out of there with a win and BC doesn't really blow teams away. So I guess, yeah, no, I guess, I guess it is what it is. Um, it, it really is incredible though. How many, uh, how many warts that Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson covered up last year yeah, or over the past really couple of years. Like that team sucks. Petrino, yeah, they're, they're, they're he, he's bad. a, he's a terrible coach. Um, the assistants are just awful. The players attitudes stink. Yeah. They sort of quit, uh, you know, late in the game there when they were still kind of in the hunt. So, and then what know. he pulled, he, didn't he, he pulled, I mean, we didn't, I don't think we saw it cause we were at the game, but he pulled, uh, Puma pass and, but Petrino did. And apparently it was not, uh, handled he didn't very tell well. him, like, right? He yeah. didn't tell him. Yeah. He just basically said, yeah, you're out. So yeah, yeah. things could certainly be going worse. Yeah, I agree. And I think it starts with Brown. So, and, you know, we saw obviously, you know, the good side of Brown in that, in that one game against Wake. Right. Um, but I, I really don't think he's been the same since then. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll, he'll wake up and figure it out. I, I do think, you know, offensively, we did a good job rolling him out, you know, 16 out of 22 for 179 is very efficient. Right. So, uh, they had a couple good, uh, play action rollout. Uh, they had a couple bootlegs and, Obviously, on the run, he throws a perfect pass. Mm-hmm. It's just when he's in the pocket with with time, where he, uh, you know, he has those those underthrows still. So, um, you know, hopefully they they you know they have two weeks to to figure that out. I think they need to get Kobe White more involved, and that's part of what I was talking about earlier about the you know going with the the easy option, the check down, you know, despite the down. So Kobe could be one of the best receivers in the ACC in my mind, and he's only getting one target a game recently. So that's that doesn't seem right. Um, so I think overall Loeffler and, and, and Brown need to sit down and figure out how to, uh, you know, play to his strengths and, and figure out what's going to work going forward. Yeah. My only hope is again, you know, clearly, uh, the front half, I know it's not technically half cause we're seven games in, but the front half of the schedule is vastly easier than the second. So I don't know there's a part of me that thinks we're not fully unleashing the beast just yet because we do want to leave some tricks in the bag for the final five here, which, you know, are, are, uh, we'll talk about, we'll kind of run through that through them shortly, but they're all going to be relatively challenging in their own uh, right, certainly harder than the first seven. So uh, that's my only hope. But again, overall, I think a, a complete team win, uh, uh, I would say a comfortable win. Obviously, the score was a little tight at a certain point, but comfortable overall. Uh, and again, we're on to the bye week. Let's get everyone rested and healthy. And the real fun starts in, what's it, 10 days from now, recording this on Tuesday night. That's right. All right. So we got out of there with a win. That's that was the uh, the most important thing. Uh, it was it was kind of a, an ugly game, right? It was uh, it was wet for the first half, and you know they did what they needed to do to survive. And and you know we're five and two, we're two and one in the ACC. That's all that matters. Um, all right, let's roll into the segments here, Matt. Uh, I touched on just how bad I thought the coaching was, and I didn't know where else to put this. So my dude, I'm gonna go with is nepotism. I, I read an article here, Matt. I was fascinated. Um, so try to follow me here. Of the 140 ACC assistant coaches, uh, 22 have five or fewer years of experience as a full-time coach at the high school, college, or NFL level, right? Four of them are at Louisville, so they have a lot of young coaches, that's right? Tough. Okay, yep. So that's fine as is, right? Three of those are relatives of Rick, of uh, not Rick, uh, Bobby Petrino. So his son is the quarterbacks coach, his son-in-law is the D-line coach, and his other son-in-law is the safeties coach. Yikes. Um, and none of them had any type of meaningful experience before being hired. It's it's wild that he was able to get away with this. The funniest thing is his son was hired as the QB coach in 2015, right as Lamar Jackson was like coming alive. And sure. so I read his bio on Louisville.com and it's all about 
it, it's pretty much just a, a listing of Lamar Jackson's stats and, how, and saying how his kid, <laughs> he, Nick Petrino. He's a Heisman winning quarterback yeah, coach. He, he oversaw Lamar Jackson and developed him into his protege, and he's responsible for the Heisman Trophy in 2016. It's the funny, you got to read it. Wild. It's the funniest thing of all time. So That's I know tremendous. it's not a, a typical dude, but it's, uh, I, I want to throw that nugget in there somewhere. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good stat. Again, I'll take it any way we can get it. Nepotism is certainly not uh, new to college football. Shout out to my former neighbor, Randy Edsel, and his uh, son. A similar story here, and obviously a public university, so there was uh, some nepotism issues involved there, but we'll we'll move on for UConn. Uh, I think they're having a tough enough season. We don't need to pile on there. Uh, I'll go with, with my dude here. I've got two. So uh, the first one is listening to the haters and, and taking in the bulletin board material. So obviously the slow people comment, uh, was, you know, read ad nauseum last week with uh, 2-2 Atwell, the Louisville freshman wide receiver. Which, you know, I will just say this, we did not make a big enough deal that there's a grown man who's named 2-2. I don't think we realized it at the time until afterwards, to be honest. I, th- I think I think that certainly would have been covered in greater detail, so I'm a little disappointed with, our, with us as well. Uh, but obviously, as everyone knows by now, he was asked, you know, what do you see when you look at the Boston College defense? And he said, I don't know, just a lot of slow people. Clearly bulletin board material, and it paid off because the defense looked phenomenal. And in every uh, post-game interview that I read, the defensive players mentioned that comment one way or the other. So clearly it got to them. Clearly they put it on the bulletin board. It's been a theme, it seems like, over the last uh, couple of weeks for Boston teams. Obviously the Yankees shot themselves in the foot with all of their bulletin board material they gave to the Sox with the New York, New York. Uh, and then, of course, the Brian Cashman damage quote. So overall, I am all in on listening to the haters, letting them – give you free fuel. It is so stupid that teams continue to do it. And it is so awesome when you can turn around and shove it in your face. Uh, as the Sox did again, by the way, tonight with Alex Bregman with his, uh, you know, little Instagram showing the three home runs off Uvalde and then Uvalde came in and shut them down for uh solid, what, six, what did he do, seven tonight? Six innings. Right. Yeah. He looked great. Uh, and Matt, it's uh, we're like mature adults, you and I, right? Sure. But for once, once in a while, we get to Alumni Stadium and uh, we revert back to kind of the, the younger college days, I guess. So we do. Um, I, I don't know the stadium, and this is a good segue into my my pood. Um, I can't believe how empty the stadium was, and I, it's kind of obligatory at this point. You, you knew it was going to happen. You know, the weather sucked, um, but our group was like legitimately the only people there. I think there was eight people total at the stadium. Um, you came from New York. I came from Philly. I can't figure out why people from Walsh, uh, can't manage to get there and, and stay beyond halftime, you know? So, um, and the reason that's, it's a segue is because it sort of got us into trouble. Um, so at the end of the game, Matt and I went down to the first row and we're kind of yelling at the guys for saying, Hey, how about that for being slow or whatever? It made sense when we were doing it. Um, <laughs> and it was so quiet that they were all like hearing us directly and they were, they were looking at us. No, they um, were, and, I think they liked it. I think they appreciated it. Yeah. Well, sort of. I think, I think some of them did. I don't think Tutu probably did. Tutu probably um, did not. Two catches then, for 27 yards, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of my poot is, you know, the students can't show up. It's empty. And then, you know, we got stared, stared down from some large men. Well, I, I'm going to, it's my poot, I guess is on a similar note, but the weather in general, again, Maddie meteorology, you know, the weather is always my primary concern. It was, I would argue the worst weather uh, for a home tailgate in the last decade. Um, or I guess I can't completely say that because I wasn't here for most of the games the past two years, but uh, at home that is, but uh, you know, like the USC game was pouring rain and it was raining way harder, but it was early September. So it was very warm, very comfortable. This was cold. It was raw. It and was it wasn't not even, that bad. Don't but get it wasn't excuses. even raining enough. It wasn't even raining enough to be like, you know, like soaked. It was just raining enough to be 
mildly uncomfortable the whole time. Like you weren't even wearing a raincoat. It wasn't that bad. But I would say that you were probably very uncomfortable. The sun the came out tailgate. like the second quarter. Oh, it was fine once it once it dried up. But again, yeah, the tailgate was a little wet. I'm gonna Matt. I'm gonna blame the weather over all the bad attendance. I honestly don't look. Obviously, you and I would have been there if we were you know active in college. But I'm not going to blame you know a ton of college kids for not going out to watch the worst team in the ACC. That's Louisville, obviously not us. Uh, in horrible weather, when you can sit and watch it on Nesson and drink a million beers and do whatever else college kids are doing these days. I disagree. That's a complacent argument, and uh, no other football team in the country has this attendance issue. That be I mean, that's not so. So our attendance, our attendance has been actually very strong this year. It was great against Holy Cross. It was good when, against you. Yeah, when the when the opposing fans come and no, fill our stadium Holy Cross, for us. Holy, yes, Holy Cross wasn't Clemson. They brought like five thousand people, but it wasn't like they were. It was not a twenty thousand twenty thousand split there. That was a good crowd because it was a beautiful day. It was a you know nice throwback to a rivalry. There was a lot of excitement around the program. And again, if 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 it was fifty five and sunny, I guarantee you there. You know, I think there were there were over like thirty five thousand tickets sold. So if it was, uh, you know, sunny, it would have felt pretty. We full. already just, agreed that was a fraud. That's a fraudulent stat. We discussed that last well, week. Fair point, but still, I'm not as down on the. Uh, you know, I, I I I understand the the apathy on a bad day like that. That's all I'll say. Okay, I guess I I don't. I had perfect attendance uh, during my you did BC yeah, career. You so uh, so anyway. Uh, I just want to go back to the other point. So the the tight end who has since been suspended from the team, um, remember we were taunting those guys. We were, it wasn't really serious, but we were just kind of you know shouting, "Hey guys, you know we're not that. You guys are the slow ones, whatever." And then the, the tight really, end really roasted them there. Within twenty four hours, the tight end would go on to nearly kill someone uh, with a gun. It was breaking news yep. from earlier today. So um, yeah. Matt, just another another poo there. Maybe we don't taunt those guys anymore. <laughs> In hindsight, let's we'll do it from like ten rows up next time. Right. But whatever, we got out of there. That's a dude that we got out of there in one piece. I'll take it. Uh, I'm gonna go to my dude of the week here. I'm going off the field. I think I've definitely mentioned him as my dude of the week many times before. But after a trip to Boston, he definitely deserves it. Do you Shout want me to- out. Do you want me to do mine because it's on the field, or does it matter? Yeah, it does. It doesn't matter, but do yours. Well, I know I, I now interrupted you, so I have to do mine. Matt, my dude of the week is going to be on the field. It's uh, Isaiah McDuffie, and this kid is awesome. It, it's he's all I can think about over the past couple of days. <laughs> um, he was just making an impact on every single play out there, flying to the football. He reminded me kind of like a, a Ty Schwab last year, who finished like every game with fifteen tackles. Um, he just plays one hundred percent, one hundred ten percent on every single play. And uh, he, he led the team with eight eight tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss. Um, and that was coming off, by the way, a 13-tackle game versus NC State. He's only a sophomore, and we haven't even heard of this guy yet because we've been so loaded at linebacker. But um, he's going to be an absolute stud, and uh, he should have a, a place in, in the inside linebacking core for the rest of the year. Well, I love it. Again, I think you mentioned it with the linebackers. They look awesome all day, so uh, good for him to get his due. Again, my due to the week off the field, so thank you for covering on the field. I'm going to go with our guy, our AD, Martin Jarmond. So a couple things I just want to hit on here, again, after actually going up and experiencing the game day uh, on the Heights for the first time in, I guess, a year. Uh, so the big thing that jumped out was the beer lines were wildly more efficient than last year. No one was Obviously, at the stadium, Matt. I, 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 I get that to an extent. I get that to an extent, but instead still of cracking cr- the Bud Lights, they now have Bud Light bottles that they pour into cups. So they, so a couple things. First of all, they have a team now that does it. So they have two different teams. So they have a cashier team and a pouring team. So on the table behind the cashiers, there's just tons of Bud Lights and cups already. So it's as simple as, okay, you want two? Yeah, whatever. Swipe the card, take them, and give it. Rather than in years past, it was swipe it, crack them, 
the cashier and then pour them in, which was absolutely idiotic. So huge upgrade there. And then secondly, they had a bunch of, uh, at least I saw a couple, uh, I guess, what do you call them? Like mobile Bud Light stations. So, you know, how, uh, like in Fenway Park, they've got those little kind of rolling coolers, I guess, like the big blue coolers filled with Bud Lights. Basically, I'm saying not in the main concession stand areas. So, well, Matt, huge what I would there. like is if we could kind of crank it up a step, a step and have the guys, you know, who carry the trays on their heads. That would be nice. And then we wouldn't have to miss any any action, which we did. We missed a good we, every every single time we leave, like we miss a touchdown. Something always happens. There's a turnover or something. So yeah, that's, that'd be, that's that'd a really be good point. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I. I it, for me, it all goes back to I missed the. Uh, I think I missed the. Sherm Alston touchdown against USC. Oh, uh, I was just wow. getting food because well, they were on like the 50 yard line with like a minute left before half or something or something like that. I figured, all right, they're just going to you know run it out. And I went to go get my uh, one of two hot dogs that I get at every uh, home BC game. And it's like missing the, the flutie pass. rush. Yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, again, we saw the Tyler Murphy run at the end, which obviously was great. Um, but anyways, more on Martin here because I'm just kind of running down the list of the good things. This will be the rest um, of the episode, by the way. Yeah, it might be. So uh, also in the beer lines, we'll give a shout out. We ran into the uh, founders of BC Interruption. Uh, Jeff and Brian gave him a couple coo- – uh, no, that's not it. It's Jeff. Yeah, Jeff and Brian. Brian, yep. Uh, gave them a couple koozies, so love to see that. Kind of Eagles helping Eagles there. Uh, anyways, more on Martin. He brought the salted pretzels back. I was never as big of a pretzel thing, but that, I know that was like a big BC Twitter thing was that everyone was unhappy that at Alumni we only ever had sesame seed pretzels, which I agree makes no sense whatsoever. He brought I'm out not a, pretzels. I'm not a pretzel guy. I'm kind of out on, on Marty if this is all – or Martin, sorry. If this, is, uh, this is all you got. Give me something okay. real. I got two more. So okay. one, the new unis. Obviously, he spearheaded no. this whole okay. bringing the new unis, which I know you're also out on. So you're over three so far here. Though the beer lines you should like. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but he was obviously pushing the whole push to a new uniform and all the new gear. He's been very vocal on Twitter about uh, you know making that like a big thing. So I love his effort there. And then lastly, I think the biggest one is this whole announcement of the new Greater Heights Capital Campaign. So for those of you who missed it over the last couple of weeks, they announced uh, a rollout of a new $150 million uh, donation goal that's specifically focused to athletics. It's the biggest athletics campaign in the ACC and one of the biggest in the country across any sport. Basically, the goal of it is to, to make us you know top 25 in everything, but they are fully acknowledging that the entire programs will go as football and basketball go, which is, I think, a huge step up from previous uh, regimes. So they're basically saying we need to have top tier football and basketball programs. This $150 million is going to pour into that facilities, upgrade Conti, uh, upgrade coaching salaries, everything it might be. So huge effort across the board for Martin. What a tremendous run he's been on for me. Obviously not as much for you, but I hope you can get behind the uh, the campaign there as well. Uh, overall, well-deserving due to the week and kind of a, an all-encompassing due to of, of the last couple weeks, if you will. Yeah, agreed. And I am high on Marty or Martin. Jeez. Stop. You got, can, 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 can you can't call him Marty. He's going to edit I'll, that out. You yeah. cut it out. I, I have to but kill you if you call I, him Marty. I just thought the, those some of those reasons are a little uh, artificial, Matt, or, or surface level that don't really uh, do much for me. But overall, he's obviously been kind of an institution coming off the the, the Brad Bates and the, and the DeFilippo. So, um, but we'll see what, Brad what he Bates, does. Brad Bates, by the way, great, great hair these days. I don't know if we touched on it after the Wake Forest episode, but he was Brad Bates went to go watch the, uh, the BC Wake Forest game and there was a picture of him on Twitter. Guy looks like he's been posted up in Southern California basically since the day he got his walking papers, just laying on the beach every day, growing out those those silver locks and surfing, you know, 30 feet high swells all day, every day. Is he like on a search committee? Is that, it seems like all yeah, the he, old ADs he, he just He officially up. is. Yeah. He's probably yeah. cashing a, a $500,000 a year check to basically say, yeah, hire my old buddy. 
It's yeah. a joke, but that's another story for another day. S- sign me up for that job. Uh, all right. Uh, what's coming up next here, Matt? It's a bye week, so this is kind of a tricky episode. Eagles uh, in the wild. Okay. That. Well, okay. Yeah, we can do that. Um, you mentioned the Sox, right? I so did. I'm going to cheat here a little bit. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. obviously just hit an a enormous grand slam. Uh, he's technically not an Eagle. Um, he's a Gamecock, which is a, a close relative of the Eagle. Um, and they're sort of my BC of the South is the University of, of course, South Carolina. Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously showing up in a big way there. Uh, JBJ, Eagle in the Wild. Okay, I love it. Uh, you actually missed one there because you had a legitimate Eagle in the Wild this past week. You ran into former Eagle Manny Espria in the airport. Oh, that's Again, right. Quite, quite literally, you saw an Eagle in the Wild. So yes, kind of a, I did. Uh, missed yeah. answer by you there. Uh, and I said, to him, I, I said, and this is the extent of our conversation. I said, Hey, I got a BC backpack too. And he didn't say anything back. So he was listening to music. So that's but tough. It, yeah. So it's all good. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, only other one I have NBA starts tonight. So shout out to our current three active NBA Eagles, Reggie Jackson, Jared Dudley and Jerome Robinson. Hanlon, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, got re-signed by the, by the Spurs. Uh, but I just Googled him. Uh, a couple minutes ago, and it turns out he was waived a couple weeks ago. So uh, just three for now. Maybe he'll be back. Uh, and Dennis Clifford, one of these days, will be in the NBA. He's tearing it up over in Berlin. Very good friend That's of the program. Absolute no-brainer. He's going to be MVP one day. Completely agree. Um, all right. So with that, let's get into Duteous Corpus. Uh, and this one's going to be more, more in-depth. I mean, obviously, it's it's the second half of the ACC, or really the second half of the season is really beginning here, so things are starting to take shape. We get some huge games coming up over the next couple weeks as the ACC Atlantic, the Coastal, and really the whole country. Um, we're going to start to figure out who's in contention for the conference and what's what. So let's enter the courtroom here, Matt, and uh, why don't you kick it off? All right, so I think the first one that I want to go with here, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we do have to bring up Notre Dame. So a couple notes on Notre Dame. Last week, we obviously talked about the outstanding murder trial against Brian Kelly. Uh, We talked to our our legal friends this past week, and we've actually, uh, I guess, downgraded the charges, but made them more accurate to negligent homicide. Uh, So that's definitely what it should be. We do have some friends in the uh, Indiana District Attorney Office, if I'm uh, reading my notes correctly here. So probably going to get him or her uh, on the case there because, again, this just can't stand, especially as he's continuing to gain more uh, you know, notoriety with, with the team looking good. On the field, they looked, I think, bad against Pitt from what I saw. And I'll say that their wins against Stanford and Vatek don't look nearly as good now. Both those teams are out of the top 25, and Vatek looks worse and worse every day. Yeah, Matt, I'm ready to acquit. Get that. I'm ready to acquit Notre Dame of being guilty of being good thoughts you can't you can't so, barely, hey, so you can't, is, no, is Notre Dame good or is Notre Dame not good <laughs> you can't beat Pitt by five and think you're a top five team in the country so it's just a matter of time uh if versus when or when versus if they're going to get exposed um well so unfortunately I, just, I think they have a pretty soft schedule so I don't know who's exactly, going to do it exactly um, so that's the problem they're they're going to go undefeated and again uh, on under or I'm sorry they're going to have yeah, they're going to go undefeated because they beat Michigan week one. So an undefeated Notre Dame beating Michigan, which now is looking like a very good win, and we'll touch on them in a minute, they will, they're will they a lock to get in. There's just absolutely no way the committee leaves them out, period. It doesn't matter the fact that Michigan will be the only top 25 win when Matt, it's all said and done. Matt, just pull up their schedule. Uh, guess I, I who they play. Bad. Guess No, guess who they play November 17th. 
Uh, Syracuse. No. Uh, yes, they do. Yes. Yes, it is Syracuse. Okay. So their, ske- their, their remaining schedule is pretty bad on paper. It's Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC, all of who are down with the exception of Syracuse, who's Syracuse. Well, Syracuse is now, yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, they're kind of always down. But I, but okay. I, I see at least one loss here. And with no conference happen. championship, they, they will lose one of these last five games. They have to. So they they, um, they have to for our sake. But again, USC is having a down year. Florida State's having a down year. I mean, yeah, they could lose any of those games, I would say, with the exception of Navy. But yeah, and Navy just lost to Temple. Okay. And Florida so. State, I don't think, would, would beat them either. I, I mean, I, I think they absolutely could lose, but I don't think they will. Uh, and they're going to be still, undefeated. And I'm still acquitting them. I'm still going to acquit them, Matt. Oh, I, I agree. They're not good, and they're going to be wildly exposed when they play Notre Dame in the play. Uh, when they play Alabama in the playoff, just like three years ago, five years ago, whatever it was at this point. And that's going to be awesome. But they are going to get in. I will say the only good news here is that I do think it would be a significant shakeup to the uh, playoff, ultimately giving us more ammo to move towards eight teams. Uh, there was an article that came out today, but basically it was you know, looking ahead and saying, if Notre Dame does get in, that's going to mean that there are two Power 5 conferences at least that get left out of the playoff altogether, and it could include some big teams. You look at Texas, you look at uh, Michigan. Ultimately, in order for us to get to eight-team playoff, you're going to need the power brokers to get upset, right? Like UCF, for example, not getting in is never going to be enough to to change the format. But if Texas gets left out with one loss in week one, and if Michigan gets left out with one loss in week one, these are the types of things that will move the wheels a little bit to say, all right, there's enough of these blue bloods that are getting upset about this. Think about how much more money we can make if we had, you know, whatever, Ohio State, Michigan, the first round of, a, of an 18 playoff. Right. Someone's going to come to their senses. So that's the only good news I'll say with Notre Dame is that they are a, a, uh, a little bit of a wrench into the 14 playoff system. Yes, exactly. I think overall, if you're rooting for you know the expansion, which I think everyone is, right? I'm sure we're still a few years as, away. As BC fans, y- definitely should. Y- yeah, exactly. that's really our only chance to get in, right? Yeah, I mean, with that attitude, definitely. Um, <laughs> no, but you want to root for chaos, and you want you know you want to root for it for that type of stuff to happen. Speaking of chaos, Matt, um, how about Miami, Virginia? Didn't see that Wild. one coming, huh? Yeah, and I think we were the only people in the world that didn't. It seemed like that was everybody's best bet of the weekend was Virginia. Uh, outright over Miami. There was some wild stat. I think Virginia's won like nine of the last 11 games. That's probably not you know perfectly accurate, but they have won the majority of their recent stretch of games against Miami in Charlottesville. Uh, obviously, Miami has been, I guess, down as a program overall over the last yeah, you know, decade. It's been one of the UVA, UVA. Right, exactly. So I was shocked when I saw that stat. And you know, the only thing I'll say, I think we've known all along that Miami is overrated and, and you know wasn't as good as they let on. But it sucks a little bit because, again, I wanted that to be our upset. It takes right. the air out of next Friday a little bit. Um, you know, if Miami's top 15, that's a, a big-time game versus a unranked or a, you know, whatever, 23rd-ranked Miami team, whatever they'll be uh, by well, next yeah, weekend. Yeah, now they're outside the, the – they're right. no longer ranked and they're, they have right. a bye this week. So that, that's not going to be sure. – yeah, still yeah, Miami. And if you look at the silver lining, it turns out, you know, they're beatable, right? So – Certainly. They don't have a quarterback, which we knew. This Malik Rugier guy it just sucks, right? He threw for like 100 yards and had a couple picks, I think. Um, and I don't think they have a backup either. But anyway, I mean, to put only to only put up 13 points against UVA, um, you know, that's a tough situation. You know, when you look at what we did last year, um, you know, it sort of helped us come out of our, our offensive slump. And, and that's really when uh, uh, Anthony Brown really had one of his better, probably one of his best games, right, against UVA. His best game ever, yeah, you could argue, yeah. yeah. 
So I don't know. I, I think if you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, it sucks that the ACC is officially not a good conference. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, now we root against the Coastal because the only way that uh, ACC team gets in is through the Atlantic, right? Whether it's us, Clemson, or I guess NC State at this point. Definitely uh, us included. Maybe, yep. maybe Virginia Tech has a shot at it, right? But No, they have um, two losses. Uh, oh, that's right. They and lost one of them to a D two. Yeah, yeah, I keep no forgetting that, that about that old Dominion loss there. Man. There's literally it's, the only two. The only, I mean, it's the only two teams are Clemson and NC State. Uh, it, that's just the reality. And us, and us with a lot of help. <laughs> if everyone else loses, if, every if everyone game, else loses a couple times, yeah, exactly. Right. Everyone forfeits. Um, sure. So I guess speaking of that, you know, the huge game this this weekend, right, is NC State versus Clemson, and. You know, obviously we're rooting for Clemson for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, we got to keep our ACC championship hopes alive. Right. Two, the ACC is a conference. Um, you know, Clemson should be our guy. And then three, obviously, when you know we want to be the ones that, that beat Clemson. And we talked about it last week after the NC State game, but I can't imagine those guys knocking off a team like Clemson. They got their quarterback back. They look good last week. Um, who'd they play? I'm saying that without knowing that. Bad. Clemson. I, I assume. Yeah, I assume they looked good last week. Whoever they played. I'm sure but, they looked good. Yeah, but either, they might have had a bye. Who knows? Uh, yeah, they. Uh, in fact, they did, but they they, they looked good on the bye. bye. Yeah, and um, you know, that's just it, it's too much talent for NC State to, to handle. NC State let us back into the game, and we're BC, and they're Clemson, and Clemson won't won't let that happen. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a uh, I get Clemson by a billion in that one. The line is 18 points for a reason. So, NC State is wildly overrated. They're guilty of being ranked way too high. Is my is my official uh, charge for them here? So they're 16 in the country right now, and it is really frustrating because this should be us. They played absolutely nobody except for us, because uh, obviously their West Virginia game got rained out. And with how bad the rest of the teams in the country have been, it just goes to show that being undefeated, you know, six seven weeks in, even if you played nobody, is good enough to get in the top 15. So if we could have just put that game together, even with the Purdue loss, if we beat them, we'd be I think comfortably in the top 20 at this point, which would be awesome. I'll say this is at the end of the day, they are still power five team, and no matter how bad the ACC is, if they're undefeated, I do think they could sneak in as well. And this is their only. I would say really remotely tough game the rest of the way. So the rest of the way after this, they go Cuse, FSU, Wake, UNC, Louisville, and ECU. There shouldn't be a loss on that schedule, again, other than a, a fluke, which certainly can happen in just college football. But this is really their last challenge. And again, I think undefeated they get in, and they would also get massacred by Alabama or anybody else with any talent whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, the only X factor is obviously Finley is, you know, top quarterback. But I keep saying, you know, even when Mitch Trubisky was the top quarterback for UNC, they still suck. That's kind of how I see Finley. That's not a good football team in my mind. Right, here's the thing. And let me just say what's frustrating as well, too. And it's looking through all these team schedules, and it really does piss me off. And I know there's really nothing we can do about it. Part of it's bad luck this year, and part of it's, I guess, every year bad luck. Not having a quarterback, yep. But, well, (laughs) no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, These crossover matchups with the uh, Coastal – how some teams just get such incredible luck compared to what we have to deal with. Obviously, this year we have Miami and Vatek, and we have Vatek every year. So pretty much it's always going to be one of the harder uh, sets of teams. This year, NC State's crossover is UNC and UVA. UNC is probably unanimously the worst team in the conference other than uh, potentially Louisville, and UVA is always near the bottom, obviously, despite them just beating Miami. But it's like if you just took – and think about how everyone looks at our schedule – if you removed those two Vatek and, and Miami games, which I think everyone coming into the year kind of was chalking up as uh, a likely loss at, at best, if you were to replace those with UNC and UVA, I mean, I think we'd be coming in saying if it's anything less than 10 and 2, you know, fire everyone, right? It's just a completely different outlook. And it's 
absurd how this is still in this day and age so inequitable. Yeah, but it can also one day it will help us, right? When uh, we're, we're in the national discussion and we have the strength of schedule, we have one loss, and you know we we beat out a Big Ten team because we oh we beat Virginia Tech, right? And we beat you know someone else in the coastal Miami or, or someone like that, right? So it will help us eventually. You know, it's it college football does account for that, right, in the rankings. So uh, this year when we're just trying to uh, you know swim above water and, and try not to drown, um, you know it does kind of. And, and this year they both kind of suck. But they actually don't suck, but they appear to suck. So now we're playing against top teams um, that aren't even ranked. So it's kind of the, the worst of every, uh, the worst of every world. Hey, look, you know what? No one said that. No one said law school and, and courtroom stuff was easy. Clearly, we're getting into it right now. It's very confusing to know who's guilty and who's not guilty. So I don't uh, think NC State has probable cause for being ranked 16th, Matt. How about that? Oh, I, I I certainly agree. I think yeah, I think they are they are wildly uh, wildly guilty of yeah. Of. They're wild. They're wildly guilty. Uh, anyways, got a couple other quick hitters here, uh, and then we're going to bring in a jury selection, which is a, a completely unrelated name for the ACC power rankings. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but we'll go with uh, Michigan and Texas are both officially back. LSU, Coach O is charged with finally being a good coach, and he's fully guilty. Huge win for them this weekend over Georgia. And Good then Penn State, Penn State is officially guilty of being dead. Thank God. I hate Penn State. I hate James Franklin. Love to see them officially on the canvas, losing to a terrible Michigan State team. Uh, very happy that they are officially out of the discussion. With that, let's move into jury selection. We have 15 jurors to choose from in the ACC, and we need to rank them in power rankings. We'll just go through these pretty quickly because I think we'll, for the most part, be on the same page here. You want to just run through yours, 1 through 15? Well, I don't have them written down. Why don't you go through yours? Mine are in okay. my head, and I'll interject. As All right, just, yeah, yeah, tell me tell me you disagree. So uh, top two, I'm going to go Clemson. Can you go re- reverse order? Oh, you gave away your top one. I did. Okay. Go, go reverse I'll order. I'll go reverse order. All right. So 15, I'll go in kind of couples here because I think they're relatively rare. So 15, UNC, and 14, Louisville. I think the clear bottom two in the conference. Uh, not really much for competition there. Just above them at 13, I'm going to go Florida State. I, I think wow. that they're – do you think they should be higher? Uh, no, I guess not. I was going to say, where's Pitt? Eh, but I guess they, they look Settle good. down here. Yeah, yeah okay. settle down. All right. Okay. So Wake Forest is just above them. Obviously, we saw that they're not that good. Georgia Tech is in the next one, which is 10. Uh, they lost to Duke this past weekend after destroying Louisville the week before that. Then we go into your favorite team, Q set number nine. They've come Ooh, back down to they've come back down to low. earth. Way they've come back low. down to earth. They they, they lost to uh, obviously Clemson. And then who was their other loss to? You should know this. Uh, they just lost to someone, Matt. No, they had a bye week this past week, and then they, they lost, lost to someone, someone the week, week before. before. Yeah. They did. So whatever they've come back to earth. It was it was oh Pitt they got blown out. It by was Pitt. Pitt, yeah, yeah. So then, speaking but we of just Pitt, decided Pitt was good. Well, Pitt's at eight. Okay, got it. Pitt's at eight. Duke, I then have at seven. Duke has looked okay this year. They obviously were were ranked or right near the top twenty five at the start of the year, uh, but they beat uh, Georgia Tech this past weekend. Uh, overall, looked pretty good there. Then I have to go UVA at six. Uh, obviously, a good win this past weekend. I do still have Miami at five, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but that's how jury selection goes. It doesn't always make the most rational sense. I think that Miami is a better team than UVA and is the second best team in the uh, in the coastal. And then at number four, I have Vatek. They're not great, but they're still whatever hanging around because the rest of the ACC is so bad. At number three, I have the Boston College Eagles. Well, also Virginia Tech's three zero in conference play, right? Yeah, right. No, absolutely fair. Um, but again, question of who they played. Uh, number three, I have the Boston College Eagles. At number two, I have NC State, which I hate to do because I do think that we should be a better team than them. But 
I can't put us above them right now. Did you put uh, us three? I put us three. Okay. All right, Matt. I, you, I just do you this disagree is like with making that? A, this is making a whole farce of the jury selection. What's, Where, what's it? What's it called when you uh, uh, remove voir dire? Is that is is that what it's called when you remove jurors? You know, Matt. Or, I, that that one I don't know. I might have I might have made that up, Matt. I'm Sound good. To Google it now or sequester. I don't know, yeah. Matt. Uh, but either way, I think uh, I think maybe you're a little too high on the, on the Louisville win. Uh, I think we belong uh, probably five or six at this point. I think we're we're far below VTech. I think we're below Matt. VTech doesn't have a quarterback. We got we only have ten minutes left in the episode here, so we got to run through this here. This jury selection is taking longer than I expected, but okay. VTech yep, doesn't have a quarterback. It. Yeah, I listen. I, I agree, but neither do we. Um, why don't you keep going? Okay, Clemson number one. Uh yeah, I guess we can. So it just shows one. how big the drop off is because really, I think you could argue. You know, 2 through 15 all suck, and Clemson is really good. Um, all right, that was a long court session, but I think we got a lot of cases done today. We moved a lot of paperwork, which is always the goal. You know, when you have kind of a, a, an empty day at the office, you can just push a lot of cases through. So good job by us. All right. Um, Hang on, so, you didn't adjourn the court. Oh, sorry. Court adjourned. Um, all right. All right, so I think we, we've covered a lot this episode. I think the last thing we want to do here, obviously we're at the sort of the, at the halfway point, um, I guess the seven game points. There's five games left to go. And I don't know about you, Matt. I, I can see any range of one win to five wins in that stretch. Yeah, obviously so- a, a lot is contingent upon AJ Dillon, um, but it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know what what BC team we see coming off this fourteen day uh, bye week stretch. Yeah, so I definitely agree. But before we get to that, uh, just because it's a bye week, obviously weather is still a thing that happens. So I do just want to give a quick weather update for Saturday. So it's not great. Uh, it's going to be gloomy and rainy and cold, at least down here in New York City, which is too bad because it's, it's you know, bye weeks are normally a great day to do outdoor activities, uh, football free. Again, you don't have to worry about getting to Dewey's or getting to the stadium, whatever it is. So normally I like to see a good crisp fall afternoon on a bye week. Not the case this week. Uh, in terms of, again, the rest of the way and kind of what we're looking, I'm completely with you. I could see one to five and not be surprised anyway. We will be favored as of right now, if you go by, you know, kind of the ESPN football power index numbers, favored in two of those games, uh, Syracuse and Florida State, slight dogs against Miami, uh, about 30 percent, uh, 30 to 70 percent uh, against Fatek, I believe the number was, which I think actually should be higher. And then obviously significant underdogs, uh, Clemson at home. But again, none of these teams really scare me that much with the exception of Clemson. I still think nine and three is is very much in the picture. That would be four and one from here on out. And to be completely honest, I think that's what we need to be happy with this year. Not necessarily content. Like I think eight and four we'd be content with, but I also think eight and four is kind of the minimum of where we should be. Eight and four with without a healthy Dylan. Um, and again, if Dylan comes back, he's hundred percent. Everything changes. Agreed. Um, you know, we really should be minimum. I would say three wins. Right. That gets right. Us that to, gets to eight to and four. Eight. Right. Yeah. I think that. I think that's reasonable. Let me give you my hot take. And this is uh, if think, if everything goes well. What, what do you think about this, Matt? All right. So we beat Miami, right? And then we, we beat Virginia Tech. We're 7-2. We're and two. We're getting ranks. We're, we're probably not ranked, but we're getting a lot of votes. I think, I think we're ranked. By the way, we, 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 might we be got ranked. a vote in the coaches' poll. So I think, we're, I, I think we're ranked if we go 7-2. and two. We're right in that range, right? Um, and I think we're like top 20 the way the rest of the teams look. But keep going. Well, if everyone keeps losing. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, and assuming Clemson beats NC State. And we are hosting Clemson yeah. for the ACC championship, pretty much. We're going to get game day. Yeah. So there's a couple good games that weekend. I've no, I have the list here, Matt. Okay. So let's I'll, hear. I'll, I'll give you the list. There's really four, right? Wisconsin at Penn State. 
They've already been to Penn State. They're not going there. Yep. And Wisconsin yep. just lost. And Penn State just lost. Mm-hmm. Ohio State and Michigan State. They've already done two Ohio State games. They're not going and there. Michigan State kind of sucks. So right. Yeah. Auburn at UGA. Auburn has three losses now. But is that um, but that game's on CBS probably too, right? Which helps our cause. Yep. There you go. And, okay. and Georgia's no longer undefeated, so um, that's not not all that interesting. But they, they they also they haven't done a lot with the SEC, so you know there's a threat. The one I'm worried about is Mississippi State at Bama, just because, you know, ESPN loves Bama and they haven't been there yet. Um, but Mississippi State already has two losses, and before they play that game, they play uh, LSU and AM. Yeah, There's a good chance Mich- Mississippi State, yeah, they're not going to be. Yeah. That's not going to be a good game either. You throw on the A.J. Dillon story, assuming he has a couple big games. He likes photographer- photography. That's he cool. He does. He loves it. And it decides the ACC. So for all those yeah. reasons, I think that, you know, obviously we have a lot of business to take care of. Um but it could be uh, it could be a game that game day is interested in. Well, and, and I think too, if you look at like the BC connection with Bristol, like there's a ton of BC people in the high ups at ESPN, like the uh, some of the main scheduling and college football people. So clearly, you always see it. You know, with the Dazio is always big doing the car washes there, and now with the whole test door connection. So there's a lot of BC pull in the uh, executive offices of, of Bristol, Connecticut. So I do think that helps us a lot. It's a, a, a cheap trip for them, I'm sure, uh, in terms of getting their equipment up here versus you know driving it all down to uh, Tuscaloosa or something like that. So I do think they would love to come here if given the chance. If we're in the top 20, I'm completely with you and assuming obviously Clemson wins out. That would be awesome. And I was looking at this game all year with one loss. I think it was a virtual lock. Now it's a little tougher, but I think beating Miami and Votek is very much in the realm of possibility. Also in the realm of possibility, we lose both of them, but we don't have to talk about that now. Yeah, it, and and just so we can just get into it. I think that's the next step, right? Do you want to give your your uh, prediction for the last five games here? Yeah, so so I do think I do think it's nine and three. I think we uh, I think we go four and one, and so I think I, I think obviously we beat Florida State and Syracuse because you need to win those two to go four and one here, and then I think we win two of the next three. I'm not going to say which two of those three it is. Um, cause I wouldn't be shocked if we beat Clemson and then, you know, but we drop Fatek or something like that. Like that wouldn't be crazy to me, especially with those three games back to back with, you know, no bye weeks or, or any weak opponents in, in, in between. But I think nine and three is, is fully on the table. Um, but 10 and two is also not out of the picture either. Let's go win the whole thing and, and, you know, get to the conference championship. Yeah. I, I'm sort of with you. I mean, again, I've said it 14 times, but it, it really does count, come down to Dylan. Um, if we do have 100% Dylan, we have a shot at 4-1, and one, I think. Uh, otherwise, I think it's more likely to be 3-2, and two, which I think we need to be happy with. I think we'd be happy with 3-2, and two, but, but, I, I, but I think I would say 7-5, and five, like we seriously discuss hot seat and moving on from here. I agree to disagree. I think that uh, I think that's not, not the right take. I don't think Martin will. Uh, I think Adazio's proved enough this year, you know, faced some adversity. With I think what, we're what if, injuries, our best player getting hurt. And I think we're a quarterback away from being a really good football team. And we have a lot of guys returning next year. We have the, you know, a pretty young nucleus. When you think about Dylan, you think about Kobe, you know, a lot of our skill players are coming back. But anyway, that's, that's for a later episode, Matt. I got, uh, us losing, I got us beating, uh, Miami. I'll never pick against BC in a red bandana game. Um, I, I think Virginia Tech's going to beat us. I, I, they're, they got more talent. And I, again, I have concerns about, concerns about our offense. I think we can beat Clemson. And then we'll lose to Syracuse. Okay. Well, of course, Syracuse is the best team in college football. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, end up, a... we end up eight and four. And, uh, you know, I think we're all, uh, you know, sort of happy with that, sort of not. We end up I think I'd be disappointed with eight and four. Or... 
I'd be disappointed eight and four if it was a uh, Syracuse loss. Yeah, like, I, I can live. I can live with eight and four if it's Clemson and Vatek. I think if it was eight and four and we lost to Syracuse and we could have been nine and three, and that point you're then going to you know a top tier bowl. Uh, not you know obviously top top tier, but a good bowl. I think that would suck. A quick little stat here that it make, does make me concerned for the Red Bandana game. So Miami is also on their bye week this week. After a bye week all time, BC is twenty four and twenty five. Miami is thirty eight and twenty one. So take that for what you will. It yeah, but you got to proportionalize that into they just win a lot more games than we do. That's a fair point. So you got it has nothing to do with the bye week. Okay, fair and point. that's before that's before we had Adazio, who was one of the all time best. Uh, adjusters and exactly play callers i mean he'll beat bill belichick if you give him a two-week uh two-week window here. hey how about that flea flicker last week matt he's i'll tell you what man he's got some he's got some tricks up his sleeve all right with that <laughs> any uh any closing thoughts for you here matt no i think i'll tell you what it's it's five and two heading into the bye and uh it could be a lot worse could be a little bit better probably couldn't be that much better well it could um, be seven and oh better yeah it could be about six and one i, I think that purdue game was always going to be a loss fair um, <laughs> but uh I'll tell you, with, with no Dylan, um, I think five and two is is perfectly acceptable. And uh, but unfortunately, I, I still think there's some major question marks on offense. But I like where the where the defense is, is stepping up. And you know, if this is the defense we've seen in the past few years, then you know we can keep it close with the big dogs. And and that's really what it what it comes down to the last five games. Yeah, I hear you. Again, there's uh, still a very special season that's potentially on the horizon here. We just got to put the pieces together. Uh, thanks again for listening. Enjoy the bye week. Do some fall activities if the weather cooperates, which, again, as, as read in the forecast, we don't know if it will. Uh, other option is, you know, sit in a bar and enjoy a good weekend of college football. No judgment here. I'm sure at least one of us will be doing that. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fourth and Dude. We'll probably be quieter than normal this weekend due to the bye, but fully charged up and ready to go next Friday night for the Red Bandana game. Matt. Half the season is in the rearview mirror, but I'm still feeling good about what this team can accomplish. And at the end of the day, the road to Charlotte still goes through Chestnut Hill. It's always a great day to be a dude.